You're welcome. Cheers. Good All night. the best. Good night. Wonderful stuff. Paul Hillier is a filmmaker. He's an environmentalist. He's in Wollongong. He's tired. He's got a story to tell. And I reckon he's got a bit of a uh, saddle sore gait to him as well. Good evening, Paul. G'day, David. How are you? Good. Uh, I understand that uh, you've been in Southeast Asia, now Wollongong. Don't tell me you cycled from A to B. <laughs> no, the um, the actual bike ride took place last June and July. So right. we're nearly a year from when we did the ride. How's, have you been back on the bike since? <laughs> Oh, yeah, just locally, little uh, <laughs> cruising rides around here, but, but nothing quite like that. So Wollongong is your hood? It's your hometown? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Wollongong and I spent most of my life here, but I've spent quite a bit of time in Southeast Asia. So Let's uh, turn our attention to that part of the world. Uh, you and uh, Jamie Lepre uh, spent a good uh, good while over there. What was the uh, what was the purpose of your uh, of of your project? Well, basically, uh, I'd spent a bit of time over there prior to the ride, and I'd done a little bit of work with a few groups that were looking at ways to reduce uh, the problems of single-use plastic. And uh, I did a little ride on my own from southern Thailand across to Vietnam just on a mountain bike that I bought on the side of the road. It was a bit of a spur-of-the-moment thing. <laughs> and I saw lots of amazing things, you know. Obviously, I saw a lot of garbage, but I also saw, you know, some small grassroots groups and things that people were doing to try and stop it. And I just thought, you know, it's quite a different story to what we might believe here in Australia, that, you know, people over there don't care and that, you know, we're better than everyone because, well, we just get it taken away from our house. So... Uh, I contacted Jamie and asked him if he'd be interested in, in creating a documentary about something a little bit different with plastic documentaries because we really wanted to focus on the positives. It is. I have not seen the film, but I, having read it and looked at the uh, the trailer, it's, it's as much about trying to find solutions than decrying the problem. Uh, tell me, I'm interested in, in you before I understand a bit more about the project. Are you... Was it your activism that led the uh, um, led the charge into this project, or was it your uh, your background as a filmmaker? Yeah, no skills as a filmmaker. Jamie's the the filmmaker for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been cleaning my local beach for fifteen years or so, and two or three years ago, I started an app actually called Fair Food Forager. That's Basically, a, it's a crowdsourced app that lists food venues, cafes, grocers, farmers markets, restaurants who are reducing their impacts on the planet. And, and one of those things is reducing their plastic, uh, also food waste and things like that. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I'm quite passionate about it. I worked in local government, in environment. And I, I just, you know, you go to Southeast Asia and, of course, it's there right in your face. Um, you talk to politicians from time to time and you don't really, well, I wasn't getting anywhere. And uh, a lot of the, the films that definitely did their job in the day were quite um, hard-hitting and, you know, very sad. And I, I just felt like, you know, we're getting to the point, which is what Fair Food Forager is about as well, about highlighting what is happening. And we know there's a massive problem, but what are we going to do about it now? And that's really what this film's about. It's called 
Peloton Against Plastic. I'm chatting with uh, Paul Hellier, who's uh, one of the uh, co-creators of this, along with Jamie Lepre. Um, what, uh, uh, you've spent a long time there on the road looking at uh, the issue, looking at uh, the initiatives that are uh, going about. What, uh, what were some of the initiatives that you found that really gave you uh, cause for hope, Paul? Well, look, when, as I said, I, I'd already been in touch with a few of the groups. So before we went, we had arranged to meet, I think we had about half a dozen meetings arranged. The cycling was to be done in about a month, so we really didn't have long. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up having meetings pretty much every single night of the trip, and we were totally wasted by the end of it because <laughs> we were just riding all day, then um, getting messages while we were on the road to meet at some cafe or bar or something. We'd have the meeting when we got into town and we'd get to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night after talking for two or three hours and then we'd get up, have breakfast and go again. Um, and there was a few bus trips in there. We got a, a train quite a long way, so it wasn't... Because it was from Hanoi to Bangkok, um, which is a long, long That's way. Long so way. <laughs> we had to cheat a little bit given the time that we had. Um of those of those groups, like we we want we did want to focus on grassroots, small companies, individuals, just so that everyday people could relate to their stories. Give us a sample. And, what sort of thing did you encounter? Well, one of my favourite stories actually was in Cambodia. We we helped raise some money for a group called Rehash Trash, and they are actually uh, a bunch of ladies in Siem Reap in Cambodia who have not had the best lives. And now they're, they're working in this group called Rehash Trash and they go out into the streets of Siem Reap and the markets and they collect all sorts of different plastic, predominantly plastic bags. They bring them back to their, their little workshop and they wash them all and then they turn it into like a rope and then they sew baskets and handbags and mats and all sorts of things out of the plastic. So, you know, it's creating employment for the women uh, we raised money for, so that one of the women could go to university and learn how to, so she could manage the organisation. And of course, they're taking plastic off the street and and making an income out of it. So that's probably one of my favourite ones. A wonderful story. Actually, a, a listener has just texted in uh, to share an image of the Plastic Princess, which is uh, an art installation. Uh, it's a, a brilliant uh, image, actually, of uh, what looks like a, a mermaid. Uh, I just uh, yes, it is. It's something of a mermaid looking out, uh, staring at a fish, and the whole thing is made out of recycled plastic. So it's kind of plastics or recycling meets art. Did you find similar? I suppose you just the rehash trash is a good example of that. Uh, what were some of the other more creative uh, uh, projects that you uh, in, you and uh, Jamie encountered? Uh, probably one of the most sort of exciting and, and innovative ones that we saw was a. a a group that had started in Da Nang, which is central Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were looking at machines that they could, um, a, a town could purchase that would uh, shred plastic that people had collected off the street. And then they could be paid for their plastic. So they do a cleanup, they get paid for the plastic, and then they turn the waste via a 3D printer into items that can be reused. And from what I understand, they were making things like lockers to put in, you know, uh, swimming pools and things like that. They were making uh, tiles to put in in bathrooms. And, uh, yeah, just a way to make 
to put an economic value on the plastic so that people would, um, you know, be rewarded for cleaning up their area. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to discover these uh, really inspiring and heartwarming projects. Another thing to actually get on that bike over 1,300 k's, I mean, 1,600 if you want to count it, at, uh, you know, sort of more mathematically. Uh, how did you manage to cope? And also bear in mind that you kept this uh, uh, a plastic rule as you went. Tell us about uh, the plastic rule. Yeah, uh, well, of course, we would be hypocrites if we went over there and we just used plastic bottles every day and, and drank coconuts out of straw, plastic straws. So uh, I was actually, I had, as I mentioned, done a bike ride across, you know, through some of these really hot places on my own before. So I knew what I was up for, but Jamie uh, did not know what he was <laughs> up for. And you didn't tell him. <laughs> I, I said it's going to be hot, but um, I don't think he was prepared. But and, and then, you know, day two, day three, we were hitting 46, 47 degrees and probably 95% humidity. Oh. And after the first day, I was, I was thinking it's going to be a pretty long ride because <laughs> I didn't think we were going to make the first day. But the temperature backed off to kind of mid-30s um, the rest of the way, so... It was only the first few days that were sort of really unbearable. Um, but, yeah, so we just tried to avoid single-use plastic, which actually isn't that hard. Um, we had filters. We, we had our own reusable drink bottles, so we could fill them up in, at the hotels every morning. Uh, we had, um, like, pit stops along the way. Mm-hmm. So we did the trip with Intrepid Travel, and so they made sure that we didn't die and we didn't get lost. <laughs> That's good to uh, know. Which, which made it very easy for us, really. Um, so when I did it on my own, it was much harder than that. I had to keep an eye out for places where I could get water, and um, I was drinking a lot of coconuts. Um, and, you know, when I, when I couldn't find a coconut, I could get Sprite in glass. Um, and then you just... Our biggest problem, really, with the plastic was uh, straws. And um, ABC's own uh, Costa Georgiadis would check yes. in with us every week. Great. And, and do a cross back to Australia and we'd talk about what we couldn't avoid. And um, it was just straws. You know, we'd, no matter how hard we try to communicate, um, quite often, even if we showed them our own steel straw or bamboo straw, sometimes we'd still get a plastic one come out. So when you weren't, you know, chugging under those uh, incredible tough conditions or having late nights with some very inspiring people, Jamie managed to make a film out of all this. I mean, how did he uh, kind of balance all those tasks and you as well at being interviewer? It's It must have been an insane schedule that you set yourselves up for. Yeah, well, yeah, as I said, I think when we got back, when we finished, we needed a holiday. Um but we're, we're lucky that we had two filmmakers, um, Mitchell Loveday and, and Sam Hagen, who came with us and, and took all the drone footage and filmed all the interviews and everything so that Jamie didn't have to worry too much about getting behind the camera. Um, of course, he, would have, he had an input in how we were going to film and what things needed to be filmed. And there are a few times where we had to stop and go back and do it again. And <laughs> Just and, what you wanted to hear say it again and yeah and and it was it was actually great because i'm i was never thinking about being in front of the camera and jamie was always like oh we've got to talk now so (laughs) it was good to have 
you know, I was kind of in charge of, of organising the interviews and making sure that we got to meet these people. And um, and Jamie was the one making sure that we captured it all. So, well, Paul, uh, but it's it's not finished yet. But you, it's getting there. You have uh, won more than a few uh, friends already. In fact, one uh, texter is one uh, listener has said, "Paul is my new best friend. How fabulous! Thank you so much for taking his call. I have learnt so much." Says one texter. You would have learnt awesome. a lot. How did you manage to cope with the uh, the language barrier, Paul? Uh, well, I actually lived in Ho Chi Minh City for a little while, mm-hmm. so I, I can cope a little bit with um, Vietnamese. I can, there's by no means can I speak it, but I can sort of get by. Great. Um, but, you know, Southeast Asia, a lot of people speak English, and as Australians, we're so lucky. We can actually be quite lazy when we travel because most people speak English and, and they or they want to speak English. So, But we did have... Um, for the part of the Vietnamese leg, we did have a Vietnamese cyclist with us so that if we were talking to people, say, out in the country who had would never come across tourists, because um, we did take a few off the beaten track yeah, um, routes, um, then he could translate for us. Because we wanted to get the perspective of some older people too. Most of the people that we interviewed were sort of young people in their 20s, which is really inspiring. Um, But, of course, we wanted to find out what the people who were in their 60s and 70s thought about plastic and what it was doing to their country. This project is inspiring as well, thanks to the the projects that you've uh, encountered along the way. Tell us about um, the uh, the film itself. When when can uh, people get along to see it? So, uh, uh, demand.film... They can go to that website. Mm-hmm. They can pre-book their tickets. So the film will be released on the 31st of July. And on-demand films, you can actually invest in demand films and then they will help filmmakers like us who are obviously struggling to to get our films made. At the moment, I'm just borrowing money against my house to try and get this over the line. Um, but, of course, yeah, people can invest in demand films and, that, and they'll help us out if they can get some funding or otherwise they can just pre-book their tickets and we'll we'll get there in the end no matter what. We've come this far. We've got to finish it. So uh, 31st of July, it'll be screened all over the country. Congratulations. And I, I'm going to echo your words about Demand Film. Uh, I have seen several Demand projects and uh, they are always that uh, really uh, strong advocacy sort of films. They're protest films in a way, but uh, I love the fact that uh, yours, like so many of the demand products, are finding solutions and uh, rather than dwelling in the the gloom that seems to be the default tone of uh, a lot of popular media. Congratulations to you and to Jamie and to the rest of the crew. Um, I hope people get along. I hope people also back it with uh, some hard cash. And demand.film is the place to head if you'd love to know more. Or if you want to book tickets for Paul's uh, project, it's called Peloton Against Plastic. And that's all one word, dot com. Uh, with the launch happening on uh, come hell or high water or uh, plastic overload, July 31st uh, across the country. Thanks so much for, jo- for joining us tonight, Paul. Thank you, David. Good Appreciate chatting it. with you. All the best. Cheers. You too. Peloton against plastic. What an inspiring thing. Uh, yes, I agree with that uh, caller. I have learned so much too, really. Uh, I, I love the fact that uh, sidestepping the gloom and looking for uh, the uh, the solutions. Sounds like there's some really uh, inspiring things going on around uh, Southeast Asia. As much as there are here, we've already heard quite a few happening here.
It's uh, coming up to uh, 